fifty for the powder room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got another fifty for uh, another fifty for uh, cab fare. You know, you got another. F- I hate you, Etienne. I hate you. I, I hate you. I hate you so much. I hate me too. If it's any consolation, if you think I'm just like all those other rats and yeah. super rats, I got something for you. Fifty for the powder room. <gasps> the ultimate insult. Oh my god. Oh, hey everybody. I, I, I do at least love that bit because I, you know, I like to think that Hamlet would have been proud. It's definitely the same thing. Of, <laughs> I will speak daggers, but use none. <laughs> yeah, it's very much. I, I mean, there's a certain amount of like Hamlet's like whiny, like in like every main character in that fucking film. Hey everybody out there listening, you're you're here at the TBD podcast, sitting around with Sir Etienne Thibault and myself, Sir Patrick <laughs> Thibault. <laughs> I'm not Thibault. You've adopted my last I've adopted name. your last name. I've stolen wow, it. Wow, I, I thought you we were close, but me. not that close. <laughs> Evidently, I do. <laughs> Shut up. No, um... Yeah, Patrick Humphrey here. Uh, uh, today's episode, we are discussing the the true, utter train wreck shit show that is the film Breakfast at Tiffany's. Starring, starring, Jesus. Oh, storying. <laughs> storying by some jack-off with no... Oh, I hate everything. Um, starring George Papard... And Audrey Hepburn and Mickey Rooney and yeah, arguably the most horrifically racist white betrayal. That's, that's the one thing that like I can start to look past other things with multiple viewings of that, but that irks me every fucking time. There's no reason for and it. And the other thing too is like it's billed as like you know this romantic drama comedy thing. And I really don't get much comedy in it, and I think half the comedy is, like, <laughs> physical humor from fucking Mr. Rudy oh, Oshie yeah. being a jack-off. Yeah, that's, like, all, like, horribly racist, yeah, specific it, humor about, like, yuck, 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 look at the old Japanese man, yuck, 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 yeah, oh, I, look at his bad teeth, yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh, by the way, we're gonna go back to child rape! Like, my God! My God! Smash cut from, like, scene of... You know, like, I need you to get me really, really drunk to, like, I'm in my bathtub. But there's no reason for that scene at all. None. None. Not one fucking reason. Ah. Oh, God. But, yeah, so Mickey Rooney is, like, the horrible shit cherry on top of the shit Sunday, on top of the... He's somebody that I've always known about, but like wanted to keep at arm's distance. Whether it's, <laughs> it's fucking like Dana Carvey making fun of him and impersonating him on SNL, yeah. or fucking you know Seth MacFarlane ripping him a new asshole. Mickey Rooney's crazy pill. <laughs> yeah, like which the unfortunate watching and subsequent rewatching of Breakfast at Tiffany's have really shoved him down my yeah. throat, and I'm not pleased yeah. or amused. <laughs> I, you shouldn't be, and I'll, I'll, I'll be dead honest. I have some love for Mickey Ro- for Mickey Rooney from my childhood, specifically because of the wonderful Rankin and Bass classic "Santa Claus is Coming to Town," which I fucking love. Like I love old school Rankin and Bass. I think "Santa Claus is Coming to Town" is one of the gold standards. You know, acid sequence notwithstanding, um, 
and Mickey Rooney and Santa Claus in it. So, like, for me, Mickey Rooney is always going to be Chris Kringle. But then I saw this, and I was just like, God damn it, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> God damn it. Now, every time... All my love for you has turned to hate. <laughs> love turns to hate. But, yeah, no, it's... it's it's yeah, it's gonna be hard for me to rewatch that now without thinking of fucking Unioshi. Oh Jesus, and everything wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. But on the bright side, at least you have the association with Chris Kringle as somebody other than Tim Allen. Okay, that's very true. <laughs> I never let myself watch those films, despite you know, like, kind of like high school with his daughter and shit. Like, right. I just never like, I never, never wanted to watch them because. I love Christmas, and every every day something takes a little bit of Christmas away from me. And you know, no offense to Tim Allen, he's done some good work, but motherfucker ain't Santa Claus. No, no. Which is the joke of those movies, but it's not funny to me. Ah, it's totally understandable, and I mean. I'm guess yeah. I guess I'm glad your childhood wasn't ruined by them. And I mean, I don't think I ever watched them by choice. It was always on at somebody else's house. Oh yeah. But like yeah. for some godforsaken reason, they'd be like, "Oh, it's Christmas. We're gonna be doing something Christmassy in school. Let's watch <laughs> Tim Allen be a jackoff." Oh God. <laughs> That's what I never had to deal with. <laughs> I. Uh, God, what did they even show for Christmas? It was Catholic school, so like. God, it was probably Veggie Tales. Oh God! Yeah, which like. Well, at least they didn't show you like the the twelve signs of the cross in graphic detail. That oh, we mean, did that. You mean okay. the stations of the cross? Yeah. Oh, we did that all the time. That was for Easter. That was for yeah. Easter because you know it's Jesus's brutal, horrific death. Right. I mean, every Catholic church has them enshrined around the top. Right. Rim. No, 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 no. I, I have been to church once upon a time. Glorious technicolor. But yeah, that's you know. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Yeah. You Catholic back in the day? No. I, I've been to several different churches. I guess I was raised Quaker, technically, so I went to Quaker meetings. Dude, righteous. Um, yeah, Society of like, Friends. Um, you know, I've been to, to you know, various different Catholic. I've been to, like, Greek Orthodox in addition to, like, regular Catholic. Dude, that's awesome. Those services to, are crazy. Um, like... Franciscan sh- I, I, all over the place with Christianity really but I it wasn't for me anyways we've strayed so far from breakfast to Tiffany's I do have to say I do kind of wish that you were raised shaker because that would have been really 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 good <laughs> so I could um, be a quicker shaker <laughs> well and also you know you'd inherit all that property in upstate New York and we could like we could like go hang out there and, you know and then take the 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 taxi over to Tiffany's. Room <laughs> <in the morning. laughs> oh, God. Sadly, eat our, our food outside <laughs> while looking Stare it in. Stare at the fucking jewels with it. These are all the things I will never own, but it's okay because diamonds are tacky on women under the age 40. Oh, my God. Well, did you notice the fucking through line of all the creepy, like, like leaving aside all the main portion of the creepy shit with Doc for right now, specifically the through line of her repeatedly having the, like, well, that's what happens when you get fat, like, lines, and then the fact that, like, every conversation she has with Doc and every conversation he has talking about her references, like, oh, you know, she got so fat, oh, you too skinny, like... Gives yeah. you kind of the idea that They're there was this constant. You up here. <laughs> yeah, there's like this constant, like, like I get the idea that a lot of her like 
you know, frequently raped childhood involved, Pinching you know, merging. Well, yes, and also Doc continually being like, that body ain't right. And like, you know, like, you're too skinny, girl. You eat that, you eat that turkey. Oh, now you too fat, girl. Yeah, like, I hate him. I hate him so much. I, the first Part of me movie. wants to believe that you're reading too much into his character in their background. But, like, there's weird things throughout that, that fucking movie. And, like, right when they sit down on the bench <laughs> when he's talking to fucking yeah! uh, Paul Varjak, like, that wry-ass smile that he... Cr- I'm just like... Not okay. Mm-hmm. None of that was fucking okay. Also, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you know, she came with just a crazy wild little thing. Then my wife died. Then, you know, I asked her to marry me at 14. Yeah. None of that's okay. Ain't none of it okay. Oh, you know, you think a 14-year-old, you know, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they want, but she knew what she wanted. <laughs> Like, that's literally, that's a line. That's a big sense. No, I know, I know. And, like, every time I watch that scene, I just keep expecting, and, like, I know it's not going to happen, like, deep in my heart of hearts, but I keep, like, something cries out in me for George Papard to pull Paul Varjag, Fred Baby. Which, that's another thing, too, like, constantly referring to him as her brother. So whacked. Especially with, like, the weird, romantic, pseudo-sexual underlay. Again, we're like, I mean, they even talk about the fact that before Doc, she and her brother escaped from an even more abusive family. Right. Her life has been nothing but a cycle of degradation and abuse, and her desperately trying to escape it by any means possible. And she had cause to run away from that cause. She never had cause to run away from me. (laughs) You tell me she wasn't happy. You tell me that. (laughs) She wasn't happy. That's why she ran away. That's why people do that. That's, that's, that's why marriage got annulled. That's that's <laughs> why she's bringing protection to the station. <laughs> you, you and and Varjak just is repeatedly like, no. I think you need to talk to your husband about this. I'm gonna go get a pretzel. You know, like what? Don't leave her with the abuser. What the hell's wrong with you? And I love that they even, like, have the nod to it. I love it and I hate it. Because there's so much of the movie that is so conscious of its own, like, of its own bullshit. And then there's also these moments where you're like, wow, you were entirely not conscious of how fucked this was. Because, like, going into it, she's like, I can't play this scene alone. Mm-hmm. She is doing the whole, like, I really do love you, Doc, but I'm just not that person. Like, it is an act. It is her trying to get the molester... Back on the Greyhound bus and the fuck out of her part of the United States. And just like, and just going back to that first scene when they're talking in the park, there's like five different moments where like Varjak is starting to walk away and turns around and just has this intense look in the, on his face. And every time my soul cries out for him to just, just roundhouse kick, <laughs> just like straight, like, yeah, like straight, like whack, take out Doc on that bench. And it never comes. It never comes. Instead, he eats fucking Cracker Jacks. Yes. Man, I thought I was special, but she has a husband. <laughs> no, she doesn't. The, the irony, oh. too, is like him being basically a kept man for another woman at this point, too, because they're, they're still involved. At that, He hasn't been like, yeah. you no, know, I'm a writer. I'm developing a backbone. Fuck yeah. you. Which, you know, good on Paul Varjag. 
I mean, yeah, his, his sugar mama was kind of a dick to him. That's like a well, pretty good... yeah. I mean, she felt entitled to whether or not well, she was. For her, it was a more straightforward in transaction. Right. right. And she obviously had other emotional connections there, but it was more of a straightforward, like, I am paying you for right. this emotional companionship and sex. And that should be well understood. And yes, I like you and everything else, but, like, that's what this is. This is your day job. Right. Hence the bet at the end with, like, oh, go take a fucking vacation. You yeah, earned it. Yeah. Like, you, only, you take a only, vacation, but you come back to me in a week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is, again, like, her literally being like, it's only good labor practice. I mean, it's only fair you get paid vacations. Well, she jokes about the yeah, whole the fucking union. union. Yeah, like... Which, honestly, like, the way... Like, there's so many scenes in it that are actually really well done, and then they just sandwich them between these just horrible moments against these, like, broken, shitty people. Yeah. Part like, of me, like, I, I'm probably never going to actually do it, but part of me wants to, like, actually find out, like, how the book is written, what the book's about. She's um, much more clearly a prostitute in the book. Okay. It is not vague. Like, well, I I knew that call the, girl, like the, I am call girl. Yeah, well, whatever the fuck you you want to call it. Well, I mean, prostitute. I mean, yeah, prostitution does cover the whole umbrella, but it's usually right. a term referred to more right. street level as opposed to right. Yeah, um, I'm technical about my prostitution. <laughs> I'm um, no, it's it's totally fine. But part of me wants to like find out um, more about the characters because honestly, in the movie, I just do not give a shit. And like <laughs> the uh, the the whole point of the movie is the characters, what's happening in them now, yeah. using encapsulated interactions and like their past and shit, and like not having that. Like the events of the movie are so fucking limited that there's not much to go on strictly from that. And like I don't want to believe that it's this massive steaming pile of shit. And having more background and more. Uh, personality and more knowledge of the characters might alleviate that. And also finding out if Yunioshi is really as, as terrible as he is portrayed. Well, I imagine he probably is. Like, just as perfectly old school, good old fashioned American pie, you know, I'm sorry, apple pie American <laughs> racism. American <laughs> pie apple racism. Um, but I doubt that there's like the extensive scenes of him fumbling around his right. apartment with the waddle trying to find his glasses that he doesn't keep next to the bed. Right. Oh, how did this lantern get here? My whole apartment's just full of lanterns. What? Isn't that crazy? Aren't the Japanese and their cultures so crazy? Well, I mean, I, I would hope not to an extent. I realize it's horribly dated for a number of reasons. I mean, the film came out in 61, the book came out in 58. Yeah. But, I mean, there were already a, a lot of Japanese-Americans by then. We dealt with, you know, World War II, Japanese were out of internment. Like, I don't... I knew there was lingering racism, obviously, there, there still is, but... I like to think that we were a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> Better by 61? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> we, no, we hadn't learned shit by 61. I mean, like... I mean, like... Martin Luther King was still getting his ass beat on the regular in 61. He hadn't oh, been no, shot I, yet. I know. Like, I mean... Yeah. But I, I think the... 
the levels of institutionalized racism were at least different between um, American populists and African Americans versus Asian Americans. Oh, that's generally true. I mean, like, the, the black community definitely faced more adversity, but, I mean, like, Asian, the Asian American community definitely still faced a shit ton. Like, there's still a lot of issues with, like, we're not in my town kind of shit, which, you know, we still have today, which is lovely. I don't know if you read the article. Um, I can't remember who did the profile. It was either, L- I think it was the LA Times. Um that was talking about the supermarkets in Alhambra. I did not read about it, but go on. Um, Essentially, uh, Alhambra for a very long time was like a white majority city. It was like the staunch bastion of old rich whiteness in the San Gabriel, excuse me, Valley. And uh, now it's like 60% Asian and like 30% Latino. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a bunch of the old white people are like, why are the grocery stores changing? I'm I'm so mad. Don't let them change the Albertsons to a I can't even remember a ranch uh, ranch ninety nine, which is fucking dank. Like you get me, give me an Asian market or or a Mexican market mm-hmm. or an Armenian market or an Indian market over fucking any of these normal grocery stores at any day. But it was literally like it's just. You know, the community's just changed, you know? It's just not what it used to be. It's just changed, and, you know, we gotta preserve what we have. And, like, reading this, I'm like, you people are not at all being circumspect about the fact that you're like, fuck you Asians, get out of my town. Like, you're not saying it in that many words, but you're really hewing, hewing pretty close to that. And I'm like, just, just seeing that today, I was, I, I was shocked. I didn't see it today. But, like, you know, in the modern era, mm. you know, you like to think that's not still happening. Like, not in my town, you, you dirty yellows. Like, that's, like, terrible. It's fucking terrible. Mm. Sorry. No, it's, it's fine. I, <clears throat> we've certainly talked a lot about race. And I think yes. it's, it's time for us to move past <laughs> the Mickey Rooney's of this world. <laughs> yes. And the people who fund the Mickey Rooney's of this world. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I... The deepest problem that I have with Breakfast at Tiffany's is that it had the opportunity to really be a really well-rendered portrait of two jacked up people. One of them way more jacked up than the other, but both of them really, really slogging through serious mental and emotional issues. And instead of that, we have three quarters that, and then one quarter mindless early 60s love film. Like, the, the aggressive use of soft focus. Like, any time that they want to be like, uh uh-huh, 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 getting romantic, getting romantic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they're going to do it? And you're just like, but, ah, just, ah. Because they have this whole buildup of, like, her past trauma and, like, her entire experience. And the fact that Varjak is dealing with the ennui of being like, I am a failure. I have betrayed what I want to do right. to be this other thing that's kind of worthless and that I dislike. And he gets to move beyond it. Right. 
and be like, ah, I've seized my own power again, and I'm self-determining, and nah. And then the way that she gets out of it is, no, you're right, you do own me. But I'm bump. Hey, happy ending, kissing in the rain. And I was just like, y- you're shitting me. You've got to be shitting me. So the way out for her is to be dominated by another outside force. Like, all of Varjak's, like, advice throughout the end of the film of him being like, these are honestly bad ideas and I can't let you do this as a friend, would be so much more powerfully delivered if there weren't a romance between them and they were friends. Because otherwise, it's impossible to divorce it from the fact that you want to fuck her! And there's there's the whole thing, too, earlier about, like, you know, when, when he's finally, like, telling, you know, his his keeper... Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know, that there's... He wants out, there's another woman, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, oh, well, she must be somebody who can help you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, strange enough, she can't help anybody. She can't even help herself, but I think I can help her. Like, that, that bit is so so good if it were not devolved into, you know, the whole I own you thing. Yeah. And, like, the whole... On second watching of the film, I was really hoping that I was misremembering things, because there's that bit early on when she's talking about the cat and, like, not belonging to anything. Yeah. And not fitting in and belonging somewhere, um, which I got and I thought was great. I think if they would have been... changed it slightly the line to, like, you belong with me instead of you belong to me. Yes! It would have echoed back to the beginning of that film that sentiment of belonging without the sense of ownership. Which is beautiful and is what they should be going towards in the film because they're both people who have been owned and hated it. Right. So why should the solution for these characters be we own you, like, own (laughs) each other, nah! Like... Okay, I hate having a leash on me. So let's put on these leashes, <laughs> and then and then it'll 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 all be better. It'll all work out in the wash. It'll all work out it's, in the wash. It's almost akin to the like, well, you know, there's a problem because people have guns. So if everybody owned guns, <laughs> then there'd be, be no, no problems. problems. <laughs> so you know, if we all own each other, then no one has an expectation <laughs> of freedom or independence. Oh my god! Ah, oh, it's so fucking bad. I also have to say, it disturbed me, and just for the audience's sake, uh, I finished watching this film, like re-watching it for the first time, I've only seen it twice, uh, uh, approximately 30 minutes before we started, we started recording this, so it's like fresh in my memory, and the hate is real, the hate is real, but like a couple of years ago, I started using the word cheerins. Just as like a joke, you know, when I was talking about, you know, them cheerings, you know, mm-hmm. talking about children. And I'm, I'm watching it, and then like it got to the line where Doc's like, she belonged with her husband, her brother, and her cheering. And I was like, no, 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 no. My joke came from Doc. No, I don't want it. I don't want anything from him. He ruined that word for me. Posthumously. If I could undo the hands of time. <laughs> if I could turn back time. If I could punch Doc's face. <laughs> Sorry. God, you just want to hit him. On, on the flip side of that, I, you, you, to an extent, you have to admit that like 
he did a good job of portraying the character if you feel that ven- venomously about him. Oh, he did a great job. He's like the sad <laughs> old preferential offender pedophile being like, come back to me, I have your teddy bear. Like, Well, it's a so bit more bad. serious than that. Well, way more, threatening. Yeah. He's threatening Holly about her brother. Yeah, I will dynamite your relationship with your mentally disabled brother. Yeah. If you don't come back and continue to have sex with me. Yeah. Which should never be a conversation that anybody has ever. No! (laughs) Oh my god. It's like nothing but like vicious, horrible, dark things. Where you have like the occasional... (laughs) I don't have to say. George fucking Papard. One of the worst acting moments I've ever seen. Like, mostly he does a pretty good job in the movie, regardless of how I feel about George Papard as a person. Usually gives good, per- you know, performances. The end of the day of them, like, running around doing things they've never done before, mm-hmm. which is, like, a really nice, like, little thing in the movie. Oh, and it was cool because it was that expansion of their comfortable, their comfortability with each other. The final moment where they've, like, run down the street, like, yeah, like, run in the front door. George Papard gives, like, the fakest, like, oh, 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 I'm slowly ending my laugh to look at you meaningfully now. (laughs) Performance ever. And it just comes across as him being like, I'm going to pretend to continue laughing until I can get close enough to kiss you. Because then I can fuck you. And it like comes across like all creepy like that. And I was just like, oh God, George, why? Why, George? I didn't necessarily get that from that scene, but there was a lot of like him desiring intimacy and like Holly kind of keeping him at like arm's length. Yeah. Um, Which I loved way more the early game stuff that they did, mm -hmm. where it's really him being like, no, please back up. Like, right, when she crawls through the fucking window the first time, when she's ditching that the suitor, <laughs> that gentleman that's pounding at her door. Come on, like, Gregory. One of the times that you and Yoshi's actually useful is he tells him to go the fuck away or I'll call the cops. Well, yeah, because guy is, is literally smashing windows, being like, come back here, I'm going to have sex with you whether you <laughs> want it or not. I mean, she references that guy later where it's like $50 in the powder room. She's talking to Saul. There's a couple of Sally. guys that, that do that. There but are, yeah. but, I mean, that was kind of my impression was that it's, I mean, it's the guy who tore her dress. She's in a bathrobe at that point, and it's just like, well, I'm out. Guy turned violent. And books. Mm-hmm. And again, that's all kind of dealt with really, like, funny, like, ha, 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 oh, he turns into a beast when he's drunk. Trade beast. Or was it, was it, uh... I don't even... Kel Beast. Because it's what, uh, yeah. in French. And I was just like, that's not funny. She running away from an abusive John. <laughs> okay, jokey, jokey, fun time. It's cold on the fire escape. <laughs> oh, he's breaking through the window. It, this was a Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> there would be, like, a gunfight after this, or... Something. My God. Yeah, uh, you know, you brought it up too. One of the things that really shook me to the core and appalled me most about the film is the waste of whiskey by Holly Golightly. She pours into a fucking... Oh my God, that was... She's just like, I will pretend to drink with you. (laughs) Whoopsie, I'm I'm drinking. 
Well, which is a wonderful character moment of her being like, I don't know this person yet. I am not going to get drunk in their presence. Which was a kind of like interesting thing in terms of looking into who she is and the way she strategizes. But still, yeah, like I was watching it this time and I just kind of went, no, no, I'm <laughs> running low. Give it I'm to me. Yeah, like pass it through the screen, Holly. Don't let the plants have it, Holly. The plants won't appreciate the poison. I'm like, oh, God. I don't know, I would like to take just a moment to talk about the entire wasted party scene where, like, I am completely convinced that they couldn't show in 1961 all of the drugs being done at that party, but they're Fair very enough. clear. Like, the woman crying at her reflection oh, yeah. in the mirror is tripping. It's 61. Acid was entering the scene. Uh, could have also been a lot of cocaine. It, it, it could have been a lot. I mean... You do also have those like occasional drunk, like freak out, mental breakdown moments, which That's is what true. I chalked it up to, honestly. But it's possible. You're, you know, you're at at a party of that nature. There will be drugs somewhere. Whether or yeah. not she is on drugs, there would be drugs somewhere. Yeah, and that's such a weird scene because there's so many. It's again like that, like exact fifty fifty melange of horribly fucking miserable awful things mm. and like kind of like like oh isn't that silly they have a watch on their ankle right <laughs> which is another part where I, I think you know I mentioned obviously the like awkward racist slapstick with Yuni Yoshi but I think that's like another where another 50% or so of the, the humor from the movie is supposed to come is that fucking party scene yeah and, and it's like, like this is this is stupid and preposterous and there's that whole horrible conversation with OJ Burn. Brenner, Bumblefuck, whatever the fuck the Hollywood guy's name is. His first name is OJ, okay? It kind of dominated it for me. I have other associations. Um, Ornithol James Simpson or yes, something? Okay. Yes. I mean, also orange juice, but, you know. Um, I'd like a tall glass of that man right there. I, I, I mean, it'll cost you. <laughs> Fucking Greedo cocktails. Um, but uh, can't even remember what I was saying. Spaced out. You're talking about the Hollywood guy, OJ. Oh, whatever the fuck this, his name yeah, OJB, whatever, McJackoff. There's this whole goddamn thing uh-huh. where he's he's talking to George Papard up front, and you just hate him. You hate everything about him. This man is deplorable and greasy and vile and just just a worthless piece of shit. And you can tell that Paul is standing there going, I hate everything about you. Pour me more booze in this cup. Fuck, I'm going to be stuck at a party full of people I fucking hate for the next, like, five hours. And he can't even talk to Holly, which is the only fucking reason he's there. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) Oh, my God. That... I would like... I'd I'd like to take just a moment to talk about George Papard. Because it is one of those interesting, like, through lines to go from the somewhat, <clears throat> let's call them, as you said earlier, dated uh, views of the uh, the woman's role in relationships and such well, things. Yeah, I mean, it, there was the totally that, that <clears throat> philosophy of, like, oh, you know, you better you better find yourself a, a nice man that's going to take care of you for life type thing. Yeah, like, and that's, that's what you really need. That's totally evident in, in the movie. I mean, it, it comes off a little bit in this day and age as gold digging, but 
that totally existed as simply reality back then. Yeah. So, well, I mean, originally, actually, uh, love was discouraged in terms of marriage because well, love was thought to be right. passing and volatile, and what you really wanted was a good long-term economic match. That's it, the traditional view of marriage. I, it makes sense. Yeah, it no, makes no, sense. I mean, that's what like, it was. I've, and not to take away from the movie too much right now, but like I've totally seen um, instances where two people have gotten married, it's not worked out, and they've divorced, and like both of them have been like in economic shit ever since. I'm just like, yeah. clearly the marriage wasn't working, but like for whatever reason, you had stability in your life, and you threw that away. Well, and if you if you're able to separate, you know, the love turns to hate effect from you know like your economic realities, I think that it is a really good idea. I know a bunch of people who have like stayed married mm-hmm. for legal reasons right. and for monetary reasons in order to be like, no, we set up our assets this right. way instead of spending a bunch of money on lawyers and trying to divvy things up. Let's keep working it this way because it works. But we're going to go to our other things where other people do, right. you know, this marriage is shit. Right. And Swingers party! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you can, if, I mean, if you can wrap your head around that, I think that that's, you know, kind of ideal in that situation. Right. As opposed to that full separation. But, you know, like, there, there is a very, a very kind of old school view of, like, male-female relationships in it. Which is interesting for me, specifically with George Papard, because there's a fun fact about George Papard. Uh, specifically uh, the A-Team, which is, of course, my my first introduction to George Papard and always my favorite is <laughs> Colonel Hannibal. I don't remember his last name. Well, it wasn't so, Lecter, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, but uh, well, it's, that, it's a show that, that I absolutely love. Yes, that would have Hannibal been. Lecter was... was Part of the A-Team. Yeah. No, as their fifth man that they bring in when Murdoch just isn't howling I would, at him. I would also love it <laughs> even more oh if, if it was Hannibal Lecter as portrayed by Anthony Hopkins. I think it would have classed it up quite a bit. <laughs> Instead of <laughs> Colonel Hannibal as played by George Papard. It definitely would have made the shot in the opening credits of him beckoning <laughs> in the alligator costume a lot more interesting. Nice, like <laughs> terrifying. But it's a fun fact about the A Team uh-huh. that if if you ever watched it, the first like two seasons, there's like the female reporter character who's like a main character and is always with them. And if you watch, there's a bunch of episodes where she like tries to help mm-hmm. and like do things, and Hannibal just goes no, and then ignores her from that point on in like planning whatever they're doing. And her character leaves after, like, season two, and it turns out that it was because George Papard had enough of, like, uh, connection with the scriptwriting mm-hmm. people that she was continually like, can we give me more to do? Because I literally just kind of follow them around as a foil and kind of, like, get them cases and that's it. And George Papard went, nope, women can't fight. They can't do anything in these situations. So, no, you don't get more of a role. Shut up. And, like, did that for, like, two straight seasons, and she finally God was like, damn. okay, fuck you, fuck you, fuck all of you, I'm out. <laughs> and it's part of why George Papard's career hasn't done super well post-18. Uh, <laughs> he alienated enough. a lot of people he worked with on that front. But it's kind of an interesting through line for me, like, watching Breakfast at Tiffany's and being like, oh, young George Papard, I'm interested to see what... Okay. Yeah, so the, a lot of the same. The only positive 
woman in that film is the police officer at the end. Oh god! Because she's she's a woman who's actually working and she's maintaining order to an extent in the fucking madhouse. Well, and yeah, like, I mean, I again, we're we're post we're post fucking World War Two. I mean, there was the whole like we can do it movement, and then like to have this where like it's going completely back to like women out of out of the working force and more like yeah. oh I gotta find a nice rich man that I can settle down with and take yeah. care of me. Like I'm glad there was at least somebody that was filling that role, but yeah, I would have liked more or at least a more major character with that <laughs> to actually yeah. be instead of just someone live. Yeah, which even even the sugar mama. There's is, no evidence of her doing Jack. No, she's sugar momming George Papari right. by getting money from her rich husband. Right. Or, like, it's the, or it's the funnel. potentially inheriting that money from her family, but she ain't That's working. possible, yeah. Well, <laughs> That's and, the bottom line. And it's weird for me, because there's all these things in the movie that were obviously supposed to be very much like, Holly controls her own destiny. Ha right. <laughs> ha! But the point of the movie is that she shouldn't. And it's like the upshot moral of the film is silly Holly, you didn't know what was best for you. And B, like all of her like I'm seizing control of my life, I'm a strong woman who can like use my abilities to like gain a living or whatever are all in this like creepy like selling myself thing, which is not like, I, I have nothing against sex work as a career, and uh-huh. that is definitely an empowering thing for specific people. She's also someone who's been consistently abused right. and is wildly flailing right. with anything that she knows how to do, which is essentially... Essentially? Wow, I just said that. Essentially <laughs> using seduction right. in order to gain things, and that is, like, her entire skill set. Other than playing guitar, which is also, like, one of those things where you're like, my God, just... It's 1961. You can have a folk career. Come on, man. It's like... Woodstock's not that far go, off, baby. Go, 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 to, go, to, go to Greenwich Village, you know? Just start busking, bro. And I say this in all seriousness as a busker. Like, by God. And that's, yeah, it, it was really frustrating to me because there's a bunch of it that's obviously supposed to be these, like... I'm my own unique person. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole final telegram from Jose being like, you know, I, I relished in your, your difference from right. other people. I, I loved you, you were knowing... You just too different. Yeah, I loved you knowing you were not as other women. <laughs> yes. I think that's the exact quote. Jose's character I actually kind of liked because he's yeah. never... I mean, he's very kind of like one... one tone. Right. But he is like... A legitimately good dude, right. as far as I can tell, right. who's just like I am part of like my family in right. Brazil. I can't right like. There's a lot of things that that he does where like I mean he ditches the party when the cops are being called. Like there's a lot of like he doesn't get involved when he could have to like prevented shit fuckery, but he does it for a specific reason that is very key to who. Who he is. Yeah. And like that I can at least respect. You know, 
You're right. He is probably one of the better, more likable characters. What I tries to help Polly well, in the he, scene where like her brothers died and she's smashing stuff. He's well, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> George Papard, <laughs> you know her. You get women. <laughs> uh, well, and more specifically, like your friends. I, yeah. I barely know her. Right. Uh, I thought she was hot, so I hit her up, and we've been hanging out, and we had a good date. She's super but cool, but she now started she's smashing everything. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, my last watching of the movie, I felt that the cat was the best character. <laughs> <laughs> I can one hundred percent get behind that shit. I think Cat. I think Cat uh, takes the cake for being by far and away the most honest, real, well performed. Like, there's definitely the moments where the cat is like, "I kind of want to run away, but I'm gonna stay." Ah! Like you, you, digging you into feed everything. me when you're sober enough to remember that I exist. <laughs> yeah, like this is why I stand on your shoulders, damn it, to remind you. And also periodically you smash everything in the house. So it's <laughs> safer just, than being the, on the dressing table. Yeah, there's the scene at the end with the cat on top of the fucking buffalo head. Yeah. Well, I mean, after the thing where Holly just literally grabs the fucking table runner As and the cat flips the cat. It, yeah. Like, I was just like, oh my god. Just, no. No. I really hope for the cat's sake they didn't have to do multiple takes of that shot. They probably did. <laughs> they probably I mean, did. They have... Cat's trainer in the credits, and I was just like, that must have been a fun fucking job for you and the cat. Like, Guys, can we oh can we not God. do this shot? I'm I'm worried about the talent getting endangered here. <laughs> now calm down. Oh, oh, right in the finger webs. Oh God. Well, but yeah, no, I I'll definitely agree that I think Cat is the best is the best character. All right. Um, even better, because, yeah, Jose, I mean, has these questionable things about him, but I also just love the detail that, like, of all the people at the party, George Papard finally ends up, like, he spends the whole party wandering around mm. with a full glass of bourbon not talking to people because everyone there sucks, and then actually has, like, a conversation with Jose, and they're chilling, and he's like, oh, you don't suck. Yeah. Oh, cops are coming. Homie, the cops are coming. Let's yeah. slip out the back. And he's literally, fuck all of these other guys. Good shit, Jose. And then they, like, split and work. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that. I'm sorry. You were, you were going to go in a different line, I think. I, you know, I don't even know reality anymore. The one thing that I will say, it, it didn't directly offend me, but Sally Tomato was the worst goddamn for a fucking gangster. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Sally Tomato, A... B, the hideously bad excuse for an Italian accent. C, the fact that his lawyer is like McGregor or Magruder or like McGillicuddy or some bullshit like that. And I'm like, number one, the Italian mob and the Irish mob have never been allies. <laughs> number two, this man is definitively not Al Capone. Number three, Sally Tomato. <laughs> Is definitely not Al Capone. It's not the same gravitas, you know? Like, you don't have that same effect from the name. Well, yeah, it's, it's not... I mean, there were some some weird gangster nicknames that were tossed about. But, like, Sally Tomatoes, not one that I can see being <laughs> remotely relevant to anything that the person's doing or remotely, like, 
threatening and fearful, and maybe that's why he's in jail. <laughs> yeah. The Don, you know, they call him Sally Tomatoes, because, you know, he used to go to, you know, all nude female reviews, and he'd bring rotten tomatoes with him, you know, just in case he didn't enjoy the way they shook their goodies. So, you know, he'd throw them. So, you know, the name kind of stuck, and, you know, he was always kind of, you know, pasty, you know, like a tomato, you know, squishy. You could just kind of poke him, and he'd break. So, you know, we, we put him up as a fake Don, so that, you know, if he ever got arrested, we could all kind of laugh at Sally Tomatoes. See, that, that I would totally believe, because, I mean, with that, that ridiculous act backstory. There's no way he started off on top. He would have no. had to be like bottom-ass <laughs> Joe Schmo yeah. that like slowly rose through, rose through the ranks or was like promoted as, as a figurehead. Yeah, essentially. You know, think of Har uh, Harvey Birdman's The Dabadon, you know, where it's all secretly being run by Barney Rubble. Obscure uh, <coughs> reference, people. I apologize. It's alright. Um... But yeah, no, I mean, also the fact that, like, anyone is fucking even vaguely shocked that that there's an investigation into Holly Golightly and Sally Tomato <laughs> and Jackass McGillicuddy, the lawyer, quote-unquote, meets her at Burger, Burger King, whatever the fuck it's called, the Burger Shack, um, when... She's literally like, oh, what's the weather report, Sally? Yeah. With the guard going, Haha, I'm right here, guys. Hey, I'm going to wave to yeah. the camera. And him going, oh, snowfall <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm, that is the least. I wonder when there was, la there was snowfall last in New Orleans. I wonder how he thinks you're up. It was about a month ago. That was the last time the shipment came in from down in Cuba. <laughs> snowfall. <laughs> Like, you know, I, I, I was just kind of like, that's, that's, guys, you, you, you just failed the mobster test. Like, 100%. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, okay, you know, no, he paid off that card. He must have paid off that card. No. He's got to, nope. Nope. I mean, his name is Sally Tomato. Clearly, he does yeah. not have his shit in order. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, my God. Also, the fact that, like, Yuniyoshi goes through his big hole, like, throw you out on the street, and then, like, doesn't kick her out, like, she's still living there, right. after, after the... Well, I don't think he's, like, a landlord, I think he's just another tenant that she continually fucks with, because she doesn't have her key in oh, really? his home. I don't, I don't think it's ever, like, expressly stated one way or the other. Okay. But, like, I started to presume that he was just another tenant. It's a good point. Though, why is he in her apartment? Well, I presumed at that point, I mean, the, the cops probably had a key or something, and they got in one way or another. But then and why his, did they just hang with Yuniyoshi in her living room? I, I don't have explanations, Patrick. I figure that he was just kind of like the one that like... Hey guys, let me, yeah, let me just chill yeah, with you on this yeah. one so I can... He needed to have his, his half-assed like. revenge. <laughs> revenge. The time is nigh. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, and the whole, like, unfinished through line of the fact that he's, like, an aspiring photographer, that they, like, throw in this, like, Vegas little bit of character, like, possible character right, development right. for him at the beginning that literally goes swayed fuck all nowhere. Like, right. just fuck, fucking it's, nothing. It's just they're so fucking uh, Holly can, can fuck with him. him. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah. 
utter bullcrap. All of it. Every it little bit of it explains why the the stupid like lights and shit are there. Because in the the first scene when he's first waking up and he oh my turns God. on the, the fucking light, like because every person who can't see without their glasses leaves their glasses on the other side of the apartment when they go to sleep. I'm not, you know, once I'm not trying to justify things in this movie. I, I don't think I can. If you aren't condemning, you're on their side at the end. If you don't call out the evil when you see it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I think another thing that we can agree on is it, is it had a pretty good soundtrack. You know, that, that one bass. <laughs> the one song. Moon. Which is not a terrible song, though. The, the lyrics aren't terribly consistent from verse to verse about what's going on in the track. Uh, two drifters just randomly happening out of nowhere because the rest of this has all been about you doing mm-hmm. your thing. But okay, I mean, you had to have that tie-in so you could have the final romantic moment with George Papard in the goddamn alley when the like whole chorus goes, Two drifters, <laughs> in case you didn't get the imagery of this whole fucking movie. Ha-ha. <laughs> Link, fuck you. But um, I, I have to admit that I kept hearing... I, I, I would rather I really want to see an, an Amish parody of this uh, where the song is Room Springer <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing that about that would you be know. excellent yeah like you know make more Although, sense you know she's trying to escape the, to you know, be fair community. I think it would need at least two songs you gotta fit in Weird Al's Amish Paradise at some point <laughs> <laughs> just have that be the opening credits of the closing <laughs> credits the entire I'm fine the with film. that I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll you know that actually, that's a that's a that's something that I could put money behind. That's <laughs> All a, right, let's that's a good idea. All right, all right. We we'll start casting cast. next Tuesday. Uh, we've got we've got a a budget of fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, first things first. We need an Amish. Se- second thing, I'll, I'll I'll write a really nice letter to Weird Al. He's a good guy. I'm sure he'll let us have the, the rights to that for free. Well, he might be willing to write Room Springer for us, <laughs> which, you know, I would, I would accept his, uh, his uh, skills at song parody. The other thing, I mean, with, with the movie having basically only one song, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, the animated Hobbit. The greatest oh. adventure. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> 30 different versions of that other than <laughs> the Goblin song which doesn't come back <laughs> and it's so much better than The Greatest Adventure so bad another Rankin and Bass piece beautiful piece of connectivity in there also if nobody has seen the classic Rankin and Bass The Hobbit I'm not going to say it's amazing but like watch that shit I, I shit is pretty enjoyed primo. it as a kid yeah and like it's one of those things that's it's stuck with me and like I would I would put money down that it's better than the recent renditions of oh, the Hobbit. Infinitely. They preserve <laughs> the fact that like Bilbo was a cowardly piece of shit. Like which I love. He's like a traditional D and D thief who's like Nope, I'm invisible. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight in the battle, guys. I'm gonna hang out over here in this tree and watch all of you fuck up. Cause I can. Bilbo, where have you been? We thought you were dead. Yeah, crazy battle. I must have gotten Knocked out, man. You know? It's crazy out there. Goblins and shit. So bad. But, uh, you know, I could definitely see us doing, you know, you know, a few more songs, a few more songs than just simply 
the one. There's a few movies that did that, though. I have to say, another callback to the party scene. Mm. Do you notice the like four different versions of Moon River that played in the background of the party scene? There's at least two different ones. For sure. That at a different point, they're like, we put on a new song. Now it's an upbeat version <laughs> of Moon River with a full well, band. I, I've, like, yeah, I've, I, I noticed they, they used it several different times in several different ways. You know, varying tempos. There was one point when fucking George Papard was whistling it. There was another one Holly was stairs, blatantly yeah. playing it on guitar and singing out her, out her window. I was just like, okay, guys. Oh, yeah. Cool. See, the song... It, like, represents her, and it's the bond that they share between the two of them, yeah, bro. Which, again, comes <laughs> back to the fact that two drifters, da, 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 da. we have the same goals, but we're two drifters, we're not a couple. Hey, it's the cat and me thing, that's not what the end of the movie is. God damn it, people, just make the fucking movie consistent. <laughs> just, just... I want to I wanna like it. I want to believe. Yeah, I... Like, when I first encountered this movie, it was next to another old-school classic movie mm-hmm. called The Three Lives of Thomasina, which was about a sentient cat trying to help her family get happier. <laughs> it's a very uplifting film, despite the fact that Thomasina dies twice during it, because it's The Three Lives of Thomasina. Yeah. But, you know, I saw that when I was, like, nine, and I was like, cool, Breakfast at Tiffany's, mm. the boxes look the same. It's like the same company released them. They're next to each other on the shelf, and my parents organized things by genre. It's got to be like some light, happy, you know? Yeah, everything turns out great, and Patrick Mikowitz happy, and the no. children. No, God, no. So did you see this for the first time as like a, a child? No. Okay. I saw this for the first time when I was like... Because when I was a kid, I was like, let's watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. And my parents were like, eh, maybe not yet. <laughs> it's a really fun movie, and I'm super happy, and we got to watch it as a family, and we never watched it as a family. I watched this none like, of those things are true. None of it is true. <laughs> I, last time I went home for Christmas, I ended up late, or the time at, like, most, cl- like, close to when I watched it, which was, like, a year ago. Um, when I went home for Christmas, I, like, made the point. I was like, y'all lied to me about <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm like, what? It, it, it's, it's a pile of horrible, horrible things and miserably bad people with n- nothing good coming out of it. And I had to, I had to like have that conversation mm-hmm. with them, which has happened a few times where they've like had something that they held up as awesome, and I was like, it's, it's shit. It's shit, stranger in a strange land. I had to have that conversation with my mom. Ah. At least something good came of that, though. Iron Maiden. Orgies. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. 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 Iron Maiden, yes. No, I'll, I will agree there. I will agree there. Um, no, that's out of the Silent Planet, isn't it? Did they also do something from Stranger in a Strange Land? I, I mean, does, it, it would make sense. It's motherfucking Iron Maiden. There, there's the line Stranger in a Strange Land, Land of Ice and Snow. I don't remember what song that's from, but the, it, it's, it's in my mind. There's weird things <laughs> yeah. that, like, you'll you'll hear something and you'll pick up on it and you'll be like, that reminds me of this. I don't even know if they're connected, but but I feel my like mind must is, be. The, the synapses have made that connection, <laughs> whether it's true or not. These were filed under the same <laughs> heading at some point, which I think is probably kind of what happened with Three Lives of Thomasina and, like, in, you know, Breakfast of Tiffany's. But, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I don't think the second line applies directly to 
Stranger in a Strange Land because it's pretty much all verdant green because none of it takes place on Mars. But but my mind has made that association, so let it be so. (laughs) And it is spoken. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. You know, uh, some good things came out of Stranger in a Strange Land. I just, I just. I feel like the last third of the book is just such a betrayal of everything else that the rest of the book is about. Hey, live your own way and respect the way everyone else wants to live their life because everyone's different and you have to understand who everybody is so that everybody can live their own life that's good for them. Oh, and by the way, if you don't all join our Martian sex cult, we're killing all of you with our magic powers that we got from the Martian sex cult. Hooray! <laughs> Respect each other, unless you don't want to live with the, in the orgy cult. One thing I will say, when I was watching Breakfast at Tiffany's, with all of the underlying themes and the horribleness towards people and the ownership of one another, she I would was, have been better with an orgy cult. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, I was thinking, you know, a movie like this could never be done today. <laughs> But then I was like, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey came out within the past couple of years. And not you know. to say that they're the same thing, but there's certainly some fucking similarities. Mm-hmm. Questionable male-female <laughs> roles and power relationships. Yes, definitely uh, the ownership, the, the feeling of being kept yeah, is, you know. is very real. And, you know, in terms of... <laughs> yeah, 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 literally pulled forward there. Um, I also have to say that I feel like, you know, if we're taking modern films, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, some of that some of that pile of awfulness, I think, is similar, especially with the child molestation themes, to Mystic River, which is beautiful because then again, you can tie it back together with Moon River. <laughs> and, you know, like that would be an interesting film mashup of, you know... Somehow combining Mystic River, Breakfast at Tiffany's, would be an interesting. I, I, it's not a very coherent comment, but you know, <laughs> I just had that trigger it's, in my mind where there. I was like, "My God!" Again, you know, fucking my God. random ass associations. Yeah, no, it's true. Oh Lord! But if there was to be a modernized version of Breakfast at Tiffany's, who do you think would play each of the, the characters? Oh my God! I figured Paul Varjak would probably be Clooney. <laughs> Clooney's a bit old. He is. Clooney would play Jose, and okay, that would be I a horror. It. it holds on to like the horrible, like racist shit of having the white actors play the Latino roles. Though I mean, you could just get like thousand-year-old Ricardo Montalban to like. He's still alive, right? I, I finally kick it. I don't know. I know he was the granddad in Spy Kids. Um. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I digress. But um, the other thing too is you, you could. I don't know how old he is these days, but you could also have Antonio Banderas as Jose. Oh, that would actually be like, like that's that's pitch perfect. That's mmm, mmm, exploding nodules of flavor in the mouth. And I, I think we would probably have an Asian be Yuniyoshi, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I would prefer. I can't. That. I can't off offhand think of any Japanese. Comic. I mean, I would probably be like, all right, is it Bobby Lee? Is it Ken Jeong? But neither of them are Japanese. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that'd be a really hard question. 
You just totally change ethnicity and like switch it to. Oh, I'm trying to think. Basically, I'm just trying to work around <laughs> to Lucy Liu playing Mr. Yunioshi. Because um, I think that would be an interesting shift in the dynamic, you know. We could also just swap the, the sex of all the characters. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be... Oh man. I think that would actually be pretty good for a modern take, too. Having, having the dude be the bumbling, fucked up version. Yeah, of but like... Oh, like... Oh man, that would be great. Though you really couldn't have any of the jokey, like, you know, lightness about, like, Mesh, child checks crabs. Well, I mean... I mean, hopefully they wouldn't be in the new version anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, but I mean, uh, you know, it's it. You, you actually get, like, lower quantities of, like, viewers complaining when it's, like, female molestation on screen than with male molestation. That's really a lot weird, of the time. and that that doesn't seem true to me. Um, really, but like we also live in a, a weird age currently, where there's so much like if it offends a feminist somewhere, there will be a massive rant about it somewhere. So it offends anybody. <laughs> like that's the Fair thing. Enough. Like we, we definitely live in an age of entitlement, where like I am offended. I'm gonna let everybody know, dear ass faces. And you are allowed to say that, and that's I think something beautiful about our era is that you know if that's the way you feel, you can totally say that. You might still be wrong, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of people might still disagree with you. But yeah, you can put that out there, and that's awesome. And again, like, uh, those are the people who are, are finding things problematic that aren't actually problematic. And that's, that's what's frustrating, is that, is that, as with any progressive social movement, there are fringe people mm-hmm. who are hanging on either for the attention or because they're crazy radical. Um. <laughs> Instead of, like, normal radical, which I consider a good thing. Well, like, my whole point to that was, like, the talk about rape and rape numbers and it being more skewed towards females being raped, which is true. Yes. Or at least that, that come forward about it. Um, well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's about 70-30. Um, well, some of the figures I've heard was more like 90-10. But that's probably that coming yeah. forward rather than actually being the case because I think there's a lot of whole, like, stigma, like, oh, a man couldn't possibly be raped. Like, how could you let that blah, 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 blah. Well, and, yeah, all of those things about, again, the male, like, the male mm-hmm. and the female gender roles of that, like, it is so locked down in society. It is, like, instilled. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, there would be weirdness about the whole molestation thing, but I don't know if it would be as problematic as the... With it being the male molested and the the mod- oh, no, 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 that that's a good point. Like that 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 comment initially when I made it, like I didn't actually have support for it, which is unusual. Um, and thinking about it, I don't actually know any number support mm-hmm. for it, um, which is something that I usually try to have before I make a comment. And I apologize. It's so been okay, a rough you, morning. You just washed like, breakfast at Tiffany's. I don't blame you. Yeah, You're not in your I right like, mind. <laughs> you could you could kill somebody right now and have it be declared a temporary insanity. Temporary insanity. I mean, like that. I mean, yeah. Woke up from a horrible nightmare where all my choices were taken away. Then I watched breakfast at Tiffany's. A horrible I saw, nightmare. I saw a character have all her <laughs> choices, choices taken, taken away. away. <laughs> it's just like this is. 
This isn't a great morning. This is a, this is a <sighs> bad place. Oh my god. But yeah, you know, you, you know, it would have been interesting. You know, if we we're gonna do a new new gender swapped version, you do Chris Pine. Not familiar. It's Holly Golightly. Is the new Kirk. Okay. He was okay. the more prominent prince in the I, film I, version all of... was Newkirk, but okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pine as Henry Golightly? I was thinking he'll go lightly, but, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just so it's like maintains that horrible, almost like Bond girl-like style <laughs> of like strange name. Oh, God. Yeah, no, no, no. That'd be interesting. And uh, in terms of God, Paul Varjak, who could do Paulina Varjak? <laughs> um, Ronda Rousey. That's really, really. You're really, gonna need really to justify that. Quite a bit. Specifically to make that line, I own you, I love you, so I own you, like truly terrifying. I think she'd be a great choice. I agree, but... But like, the rest of it, no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, she's not going to be laid back enough to be kept by somebody else, A. And B, there's no way she's not That's true. beating the shit out of Doc. That is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, we can have the roundhouse kicks! We could finally have the roundhouse kicks to talk. Oh man, we should just like pull that actor's like dead body out of his grave and be like <laughs> puppet it like across it, just so we could have him be the one taking the roundhouses. No, but you make a good point. Yeah, just you make a good point. Like the uh, the stunt actor is just the corpse. Yeah, no. Have no, another no, I... person be Doc completely, but just the random stuff with no explanation. <laughs> it's great. To have there'll be like one line in the credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you to the guy who puppeted this poor guy's corpse. We needed it emotionally. Oh God. Well, no, that's actually a really hard question. A female Paul Varjak. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a good answer. And I was thinking maybe Catherine Zeta-Jones. Be interesting. <laughs> I was thinking... And again, this again might also be super off base. Like I said, nothing coming out of me is good today. Uh, I've only put bad things in, so I mean... We, it know. makes sense. <laughs> um, you get out once you're part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you are what you eat. I <laughs> just ate a whole big sack of crap. <laughs> um... Maybe Tina Fey? Huh. That makes sense to an extent. Yeah. I, I could just see I don't it. know if she'd be down for the role. Yeah, no. What I would... Oh, well, it's not. Hmm? Huh? I, I forgot we were doing the complete gender swap thing. I was thinking... Um, we'll do partial. Fuck it. Thinking, Fuck it. Let's throw all the windows out of the window. Meryl Streep. Throw all the windows out of the window. The, um, throw all the rules out. As Paul Varjak's keeper. Or Paulina Varjak's keeper. Oh, that's great. Just keep oh, that and great. have like the I weird like yeah, lesbian yeah, yeah. thing no, with I love Tina Fey and Meryl Streep. Well, that would almost be like... Oh, man. Because then, cause then that almost makes me want to make it all female. Because that would be interesting. Because then you could have the lesbian thing between Yuni Yoshi 
played by Lucy Liu, Liu and, and she won it from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> it's been my <laughs> it's been my ship. Uh, um, no, uh, no, that would be interesting. so. Basically, we're doing like a a, a, a whiz almost with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's um, an interesting way to put it. I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but no, no, no. You make a good point. Is even if if you just changed that one so that it was well, and I think like. Yeah, no, 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 that'd be really interesting. You just have that relationship be the same sex one, and then there's still like the awkward kind of like uh, between Holly and Paulina in the new one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Paula or whatever the fuck. Paula. Yeah, Paula is actually better than Paulina probably. I think you may have said Paula originally. I, I said Paulina like, originally because okay. I'm. Wacky and didn't think of the you know easy the most obvious solution to not be the correct one. Fuck Occam's Razor. Today we dine in in Shreveport. No, we 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 dine in Tiffany's. I mean, come on. I hate it. I hate absolutely that whole film. Anyway, I hate the whole film. The bottom line that I think is incredibly beautiful and incredibly terrifying is this is somebody out there this is their favorite film oh yeah gotta be gotta be at least one person who fucking probably multiple people probably thousands of people I'm not going to attempt to wager a guess but that's something that's incredibly beautiful and incredibly terrifying with this kind of thing because it is it is so awful for so many reasons yet at the same time like you know, as as any sort of creator, the fact that like whatever you do, there is an audience for you. It's just a matter of finding that audience is incredible. <laughs> it's true. I mean, George Zimmerman is now painting, oh. painting paintings, and they're selling oh. selling gangbusters. You know what the paintings uh, are? No, but there was like some weird like Confederate flag. They're just thing. the Confederate. Okay, flag. so that He's that painting. was him painting them. Yeah. He's painting the Confederate flag over and over again for this one gun shop to sell to support okay, their case that I, they won't sell guns. I to saw Muslims. that is he's painting it for them as a charity to support their court case because they publicly were like, "We won't sell guns to Muslims. They could be the enemy among us." Oh. And oh, I hate everything. <laughs> you know, didn't you just hate the world? You hate everything. Uh, I do. I can at least take solace in the fact that George Papard's name will forever remind me of Jean-Luc <laughs> Picard. <laughs> See, I always go Grey Poupon with it. Like, he reminds me of Mustard. Like, maybe it's the Hannibal thing, again, Colonel Mustard, but like, you know, George... Mustard. I, I don't have, <laughs> I don't so have any logic here, but I mean, prepared mustard. It says it on the on the packaging. And prepared to prepare. I don't exactly see it. Papard also sounds kind of like poupon. There's two peas in Great it. Poupon. <laughs> no, 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 please, no. Oh, still one of my favorite uh, robot chickens. Just ooh, ooh, so beautifully done, so vile. Well, I think we're kind of rambling at this point, and we need to, to put this hate train to bed. <laughs> we need to put the old horse down. But seriously, if for some reason you're listening, 
this long and you actually like the flick, I would like to know. Please tweet at me at Happy Hypocrite with the hashtag BAT Redeemed. I, I really want to hear your guys' thoughts on Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. I honestly, yeah, if any of you out there have actually listened through this entire thing, our rambling, like, horrible hate for this film, and you, you want to debate us, I am super down to sit down I'm, and, like, I'm discuss so down this film too. when I'm not, like, whacked out and half drunk and exhausted and filled with I can, I can just picture somebody just, just sitting at, like, their computer shaking their head the whole time. They're... They're wrong. They're just dead wrong. <laughs> they don't understand the subtlety. It is It is the most beautiful love story. They're, they're <laughs> <wrong>. Two <laughs> drifters. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Next time on TBD, which of course stands for Two Big Dudes, we'll be discussing probably another film. Which hopefully is something we like this time, because what the hell? What the hell? Good night and good luck. Oh, hell no! I ain't getting out of bed today! <laughs>